1: cult
2: and classic
0: <laughs> welcome friends and fiends of the pod to a brand new episode of cult and classic podcast i am your host film critic and canadian canadian i am not canadian or canadian i am a comedian and a film critic nate wyckoff i'm uh, extra excited as always to record this brand new episode uh because our pairing for this and next episode is musicals that's (laughs) right bloody musicals will be our feature pair. now before anybody says anything of course these are both considered cult films however our first choice which we'll go over today is definitely more mainstream it is more widespread it's been released on blu-ray it did have a theater run of some kind and uh it occasionally pops back into theaters uh nationwide so today we are talking about 2008's repo the genetic opera there's a lot to unpack in this film, uh, but first, let me introduce our guest today. We have with us for the first time Manny. Manny, what is the correct pronunciation of your last name? Because I'm it's just vote.
1: like the bird canary, just like the, it's spelled differently, but you say just like the bird
0: canary. See, and I, <laughs> I, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, and then I was thinking of that Janine Garofalo joke where they're like, "How do you spell your name?" She's like, "Garofalo," like the animal, and I'm just like. <laughs> wait was was that okay michael Michael... i do the same thing to michael barati okay oh yeah man we're both we're both
1: italian so that's
0: italian that's right (laughs) um so manny uh is a fantastic actor i met you when i was helping out with the golden girls live tour, the most recent 2022 outing Yes. Uh, you also uh, are a a strong role in Darcy Drolinger's film, which everyone can watch on Hulu. "Shit and Champagne,"
1: yes, yes,
0: which it's a great is great movie. To,
1: Do watch it, everybody. It's on Hulu and uh, Amazon Prime and all that good stuff.
0: It's it's totally worth it. Totally, and it's right it. up your I mean, alley. If you're listening to this and, podcast,
1: uh, it's up your alley.
0: <laughs> and and everyone go way back in the uh, in the history of cult classic podcasts, and you can hear us talk about um opposite all about evil we talk about yeah. Paul's vanity projects star booty now oh, shit yeah. and champagne to me is what star booty was supposed to be <laughs> in many ways like um so just just give that give that some thought and then check yes. it out and we also have with us longtime contributor mandy longley how are you doing mandy good how
2: are you nate i am you already got me laughing so your work i am fantastic done.
0: You know, we actually, uh, uh, I say I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic at this moment. As soon as I step away from this computer <laughs> service store, we just had to replace our garage door and it um. ended up being a total of $2,500. Yeah, uh, sounds because about right. Because we have like this heavy duty garage door and then they kept being like, by the way, this is broken, this is broken. And of course they're like, oh, and by the way, this broke first and broke everything else. So that sound you were hearing, it was your fault. It was, it was, Your garage door crying for you to fix it (laughs) um so that would have cost a
2: hundred dollars exactly
0: yeah there was it was one of those things and i'm just like and he was so happy that he had to keep replacing things he was smiling he was like (laughs) and this will do and i'm just like you know this is not this is not the same experience for you that it is for me (laughs) different experience there's two Um, sides to every
2: story and every garage door
0: i just had to share that pain um okay so Repo! The Genetic Opera. No garage doors. I don't think there's a single garage door featured in this. Film. Maybe, maybe in the background,
2: uh, but a maybe lot in of the crypt- background, <laughs> but... a lot of crypt doors.
0: Yeah, there are crypt doors. Um, this, this is. So I feel like most people who are into horror films and have been in in the two thousands have heard of this film, Repo! The Genetic Opera. If they have not seen it, and it is. It is a a quite a genre mashup. I mean, there are such things as horror musicals. There actually have been quite a few Bollywood horror musicals, mm-hmm. as well as Japanese horror musicals, and there's a handful of American horror musicals. But this one really it does that straight up two thousands horror, like blood guts and like really garish lighting. Um, the sort of you know the Rob Zombie House of a Thousand Corpses mm-hmm. greens and reds. Mm-hmm. It does that hardcore. Um, and it also has frankly, a pretty star-studded cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's directed and and I think uncredited, co-written by Darren Lynn Bozeman, who uh, he directed probably about half of the Saw sequels and he also wrote and directed the Saw 2, which in my opinion was probably the only one that I actually thought was good. Uh, but that's probably just me. I'm going to get some hate for that. But uh, he directed this, and this was sort of a passion project for his. In fact, I believe while he was working on, a, it was one of the Saw films, he actually like had part of this, he had a, like a cemetery set built for like a side scene just so he could actually use it in this movie <laughs> using that budget because he couldn't get uh, all the money he wanted. Um this is uh, let's just go through the cast real quick. Paul Sorvino um, plays Roddy sort of the the this operatic crime family head and then we have Anthony Stewart head uh, who's very well known as Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. uh, and then we have uh, Alexa PenaVega or PenaVega who is she she's actually still She's actually more popular now. Uh, she's older than she was in this, but she plays sort of the ingenue role. Uh, and then we have Sarah Brightman, sort of a Broadway's most famous ingenue who, who originated the role of Christine in the Broadway Phantom of the Opera and can hit those insane high notes that just make your ears bleed uh, and was married for a time to Andrew Lloyd Webber. We have, um, well, oh, Paris Hilton, of course, is in this. She actually was denied an audition by uh, the director at first, um, but she, I guess people around him probably were like, well, you really should audition her uh, and and she killed it. And so she got the role. We have horror alum and all around funny guy, Bill Mosley, who I think our, our, our Gen Y uh, folks will probably remember from the Devil's Reject franchise most, most famously, although he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ogre, who's Kevin, um, uh, Ogilvie, I never actually say his name, so again, I'm probably destroying that. Um, musician, go online, you'll you'll recognize his stuff if you're into the sort of goth electronic scene. And uh, Terence Dunich, uh, I should know how to say his name, but I don't because there's a Z and a D next to each other, and I don't have that kind of skill. Uh, but he plays the grave robber, and uh, he also has done some other projects with uh, the Darren Lynn Boisman, which we'll talk about later but he had like a really like brief popularity boom when this movie came out especially with all of the and i'm saying this as, as someone who grew up in this era as well but the hot topic boom goth like post rave kids like I, he was like the equivalent of like every girl age like 16 to 19 had like his poster or a printout somewhere in their room like he had really popular after this movie I and mean, then it sort of tamped down but he is still around so there's lots of other faces that people recognize in this movie from various roles character actors and things Uh, so it is not in that sense a low budget feature there are a lot of camera tricks dark corridors close-ups and and things to hide sort of the fact that this was shot in various sound stages and and to to really make it feel more alive than it was Um, the plot is it's it's if you actually were to break down the narrative structure of this there is no there's no real um there's no well-constructed beginning middle and end to point part of that is because this was supposed to be a trilogy um and for whatever reason because this was i think considered a successful underground film in a way because it was it cost a lot for an underground film even though the overall budget was quite low for a, a wide release film uh i don't know that that the amount of people involved were able to come back or willing to come back by the time this got off the ground. Uh, So, I mean, Darren had another 16 million saw sequels to work on uh, as well as some other side projects. So this film is in a way I feel like a time capsule because it's so 2000s, but also I do find this to be a pretty catchy if uneven uh, rock opera of, of a sort. Now let's get into the plot real quick as best as I can it's a mismatch of a bunch of different uh, like previous like uh regular ideas like it's king lear and that there's the head of a family who is pitting his children against each other as sort of who he knows he's dying kind of thing but then there's also like the uh um, the whole uh child who's told they're ill and isn't really ill and can't leave the house like this sort of this sort of thing so you have these two separate pieces you have um, the child who's under the thumb of her father, who has his own skeletons in the closet, who works for the old man who's dying, who has an empire, who's pitting his children against each other to see who takes over. Uh, that's the arc of this, or rather arcs of this story. And yes, it has music. I mean, it's a musical. So uh, that means lyrics that don't always uh, ring wonderfully to the ear, but the music's pretty bopping and and, and there's some there's some bangers in here, I think. man. You requested this movie uh, Mm. when I asked you what uh, a movie was that you had wanted to see, hadn't seen yet, Uh, and so we jumped at this opportunity. What were you expecting versus what did you come away with after watching Repo for the first time? Well, I kind of expected what I got as far as the style.
1: Uh, You know, actually, interestingly enough, this is really lame, but it it is called the genetic opera, and then I was sitting there watching it, and I was like, oh, it's really an opera I, I, yeah. I was just kind of expecting maybe a musical because that that term is thrown around quite a bit yeah. so um I was like wow and um you know it's it's wildly uneven um it's far from boring there's it's definitely interesting but um and musically it's all over the place as well but I have to give it no matter what we end up saying about it like your friend who hates this movie. Tad, is that I, regular I,
0: contributor, Tad. Yes, Let's throw it out there.
1: But uh, I, I would love to hear his, his take on it. But um, uh, it, 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 it um, I don't know. It, it, I, I was surprised. I it was like, well, they were able to really do an opera. I was like, wow. I mean, they committed to that opera aspect. And I know it's been done in various ways on stage and performed live before. But still, I, I think that in itself, whether it's great or not, is I was, I give him kudos for pulling that off. So um, I kind of got what I expected. I was hoping I would I liked it a little bit more just on a whole as a whole, but um, as far as the aesthetic and the way that it was executed, I pretty, I pretty much got what I was expecting. Oh, although, although I have to say there was one moment where I was watching and I said, I, I had to kind of take a mental step back mentally for a minute, Mike, did I just watch Paul Servino and Paris Hilton sing a duet? Like, this yes. is actually a thing that's happened in the world. <laughs>
0: and it took me, it's what, true. 14
1: years to discover that this has actually happened. But And this is from somebody who actually loves Stars Are Blind, her, 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 her. One hit wonder. <laughs> it was not a. It was not a terrible album. I mean, it was. Uh, I just know the one song, which is which is really gassy and fun. I mean, it's not gonna
0: it's, lie. well, you know what? We'll have a dance party next time we're in the same place. We'll put that on, and then we'll follow with Vin Diesel's single, and and we'll rate the two. Oh my god, I love um, it. <laughs> I so so yes, I I agree. Um, I also it has when people think opera, um, who actually have seen opera or listen to opera there's this like uh drama element this really overly dramatic i always in my head i'm a big shakespeare lover and i always Mm -hmm. think of it as shakespeare because Mm -hmm. it has that melodrama um where the actual the emotion of the moment that's the particular song Mm -hmm. moment or whatever Mm -hmm. the 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 event is takes over and the music is how it takes over so it's so overpowerful that it makes the smallest things sort of ridiculous and then over the top you know it's Mm -hmm. theater in with a capital t Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i agree and what's interesting is i think seeing this because this got a lot of buzz in things like fangoria which uh, was still uh in in its its longest print run Mm -hmm. at the time um as sort of it, it was it was this bridge for uh sort of the blood and gore um bad Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot film era people to the commercial mainstream audience um, that that wanted to see other things as well. And I think that those mainstream quote unquote audiences were probably horrified uh, mm-hmm. because it is quite gruesome. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and the other team actually was probably, it really was a hit for them because mm-hmm. it's, like you said, it's never boring. It just isn't. And you see things that you really don't see that often. And watching Paris Hilton throw herself into a role, I mean, yeah. she really did play the role. Um, it's not a huge role, but she played the role. And, I mean, she's, she, uh, she
1: does, and she's fine. I mean, it's it's like, yeah, she got, a, and it's, you know, she got a Razzie. But I was like, you know what? She only got a Razzie because it's, it's Paris Hilton. It's Paris if anybody Hilton. Else it was not the- fair. Done the, the, done the role and done it the same way they never would have done it and and never. i think she does fine i think she did a fine job for what it is and i know? think
0: most you know people talk about house of wax as well i think it was what 2005 but yeah. you know she did well in that as, as well she and now that we've seen fine. with with the documentary of course about her and everything yeah. coming out we know that uh she actually she puts effort in which is nice yeah uh, she did pay people to write her papers through college but again why was she in college? Who cares? Not Who cares? necessary.
1: And and you know um, I read that she um she actually they were running out of money, uh, so she actually uh went and did a, some kind of DJing gig uh, for fifty thousand dollars just just for the film, just so that they could have that extra fifty thousand. That's right. And that, that's a commendable thing to do, you know.
0: So, yeah, and I go think, Paris. <laughs> and, it, and yeah, and it's funny that you said I'd forgotten she'd won a Razzie for this, but. I I remember the reviews of her in particular were actually quite positive across yeah. the board. I think yeah. people were sh- I think people were suppressed. They didn't uh, and 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 Darren Bozeman was not interested in using her name much as like a uh, a, a big boom to the production. Uh, I think he was actually according to interviews, which sounds right. He was kind of afraid that it might even yeah. derail right. the 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 sort of impact of the film and the, and the the interest in the film. And I think that you know. She never, she she doesn't even really have a lot of full face time in the film, even when she's there. She's actually quite hidden a lot of mm-hmm. it until we get a great scene where her face is falling off. Yes. Um, and uh, I I sort of, all of my, whenever I think of like
2: rock opera. I also really absolutely, music, just to say, absolutely yeah. love the fact that she chose to be in horror films. Like, yes.
0: Yeah. She gets amazing. major props yeah. for
2: that. Amazing.
0: For sure. And I kind of wish, it makes me think, like, thinking back on on her, her limited acting career especially at this time i kind of wish that she was given more like i can't i can actually imagine her like somewhere alongside um lady gaga in uh what was the one that just came out her the fashion biopic um
1: oh, the house of gucci
0: the house of gucci because it has that melodrama camp factor because of how gaga it chose to play it in some ways very heavy-handed mm-hmm. but also you know i think Paris would really thrive in that kind of environment because it's it feeds off of her hot name and and pre-existent image but also lets her build on it and it really can add to a production where uh, like House of Gucci where no matter what you did nobody's walking in blind to the fact that Lady Gaga is the lead right right Right. Uh, so I think that that's the kind of thing that if if she if she came back and started doing things like this more often again, I think she could really shine and have sort of a new uh, a new renaissance in film.
2: You know, Mandy, I am just,
0: oh,
1: just gonna sorry. say, I'm so sorry, Mandy. I, I I've talked a lot, but I let you. I'm sorry. I just want to cut one one mention. This one is quick how thing. we do.
2: This is how we do. I put you on one show, Mandy. <laughs> I know, oh, and <laughs> I'm like blah
1: blah blah. But uh, what I wanted to say was just really quick, only because you mentioned House of Bucci. It actually went through my mind when they were showing um the family dynamic and the way it's performed have you mm-hmm. seen the house the film the house of Gucci I haven't seen it yet. okay so it's actually it's it, it, it it's all over it's not great it's not awful but it's not great but the 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 acting styles are so weird they're so um realistic and non-realistic and Jared Leto particularly is off the rails he's like in a completely mm-hmm. different movie and it just Brought back to because um the guy with the fate the the face, the brother with the um oh oh I don't remember his name, but he had that fake fake face, you know. Face. Yeah. He has this like very, very
0: ridiculous Italian accent, but nobody else. Does. <laughs> and he li- and it's very and he adds this weird effeminate tone to it. So he's yeah, like Poppy, Yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> this weird
1: hype. and it's like it like it reminded me of the House of Gucci, these weird accents all over these weird acting styles all over the place. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know that's not what House of Gucci got its uh, inspiration, but it was definitely reminiscent. Okay, sorry, Mandy, well, your turn.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I, just to throw it in there to, to prevent, to mansplain over Mandy once again. Um, <laughs> yeah. we have we have no it's uh, fine (laughs) uh, i can't be sexist we have one woman on the pod um yeah no so it's 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 sort of there is this as you mentioned jared leto i'm a big jared leto fan because no matter what it's sort of like nicholas cage syndrome Mm -hmm. no matter what he does i'm engaged even if it's frankly incredibly wrong Mm -hmm. for whatever the goal is uh and i think that this is one of those movies where and it's it's Intentional, I think. Each character is so different and weird that they're mm. all over the place. Yeah. Um, if
1: you ever watch it, you'll recognize that.
0: <laughs> so, Mandy, I know that you are uh like me, you've enjoyed this film. Uh you've seen it, I'm sure, many times before. What
2: I am pretty take... sure I own this on on DVD. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm quite sure I have a copy of this in my attic. Now that streaming your... exists, like all and I have a little kid, yeah. like all my DVDs have oh. have been um vanquished elsewhere <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I have this on DVD. Attic Exile. So yeah what
0: was um what is your feelings of Repo and specifically what have you taken with this re- most recent viewing of Repo?
2: Um it, honestly i a little like manny I was like oh wait I, I I didn't really remember this was actually an opera. <laughs> they, really, they really did commit to the bit on this like I kind of forgotten that um uh, but <laughs> Yeah and um, I had kind of forgotten that it like kind of lacked like a clear plot like you said and like as you mentioned it does you get to the end and you do feel that there should be a sequel if not like it being part of a trilogy you really do feel that it made me think of um, a little bit of like the new Dune movie that came out where it's like Dune the Mm -hmm. exposition like film which is like only exposition in this film like even though there is a bit of a story like stuff happens there is a clear climax to the action of the film and resolution to that like it doesn't feel like a whole story it really does feel like a jumping off point like they're setting up this world so that you know like what the background is for what's coming ahead for the real story for the real actual character development and growth that would be happening over a trilogy. So it's a bit sad that that didn't happen. Um, I'm really glad that they went out and did this project the way that they did it um, because it is uh, pretty unique in the way that they approached it. I like a lot of the style, although again, he said, like I agree, like it's very all over the place, not like super um continuous or like consistent uh, but it is there's some really cool stuff in there like I love the I'd forgotten about the effect with Meg's eyes I love that like yes, that she I has agree. like the projector yeah. eyes that was very cool and a nice um kind of thing that they saved towards the end of the film to really mm-hmm. wow you um to you know to give her that connection with Shiloh um like and bridge like their relationship I uh, thought that was really really cool uh yeah, it is just um it was nice to revisit this world. I have not probably watched this in 10 years or more, so it was pretty cool to go back and, and see it and visit these characters again.
0: And and I actually I'm glad you brought up my favorite part of this movie is Sarah Brightman as Blind Bag. Um mm-hmm. she, I, really I I'm a big fan of hers and she Darren Boseman had this he has a good eye in this film for directing where he takes each person's like individual uniqueness and uses it to his advantage and of course Sarah Brightman has massive eyes it's why she's been able to play an ingenue for like 40 years you know right so <laughs> like she, she has these massive eyes just has this like uh innate innocent vibe and so by making a character where her eyes are like the special part about her uh beyond her voice of course uh and giving her these sort of techno bright blue almost white eyes uh it's 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 popping and i think also you mentioned shiloh so shiloh is that second part of the story that's not the family trying to you know take have a new patriarch or matriarch we have um anthony stewart head who plays uh the titular repo man and the actual it's interesting that you can say sort of the plot or the arc of this movie without actually talking about why it's called repo Which is that in this future world, surgery is so common and so all over the place, plastic surgery especially, that uh, there's this drug that people get addicted to that allows them to, rather than numb the pain, it actually makes it seem like they enjoy the pain uh, of the surgery. And uh, we find out that the narrator character, Grave Robber, uh, who's only, I don't even know if I call him a narrator really, but he pops in occasionally to narrate the, the background of this world. He renders the drug from dead bodies Uh, so he haunts the graveyard but we have this repo man who is sort of the batman of this world in a way except he's not a good guy everybody is terrified of him because what he does is when people can't pay these exorbitant fees for their surgery including like organ transplant he shows up to literally gut the person and take the organ back or whatever repossess
2: the organs you know exactly like it was like a car or something you know exactly and again as as we will be doing in about five years from now
0: (laughs) this is this is not to be confused with uh, alex cox's cult film repo man Man or the later film with jude law repo men which had a shockingly Mm. similar plot of repo men repossessing organs uh Mm. so it was, a, it was not the same movie a very just kind of an action thriller movie hmm. uh but it was weird to see such a you know you can't copyright ideas right but everybody who saw that was thinking hey wasn't there a movie about that yeah, yeah. so um especially the name being fairly close but anyway but that's shiloh hmm. the old character's father and uh turns out that and again guys these are spoilers Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe that spoilers are going to ruin this movie because I don't think that any of the reveals are particularly shocking. It's it's more about the spectacle and the music than it is about any sort of twists and turns. But Shiloh's father is poisoning her to make her sick, uh, to keep her close to him. And this is because he's obsessed with uh, the death of her mother, which he blames himself for, which turns out it was actually Gaudy, who was uh, his love rival. And uh, blah, 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 blah. He's in Gaudi. Uh, I say Gaudi. It's because the guy's name is Roddy, mm-hmm. uh, and he is a a crime boss. So <laughs> take the weather. It. <laughs> so it's just yeah. It's a uh, it's 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 just not staying alive playing him. Uh, and we get this sort of rivalry between the two that never really goes anywhere, uh, in my opinion. And again, it's sort of like this. Uh, Mandy, I like that you said Dune because I adore the new Dune. I adore Dune in general. We did an episode on it together. But, it is, the, this new Dune film is fantastic and it is yeah. 100% set up. It is Just, absolute setup. It's like, awesome, and now plot is coming, boom, credits. Yes. And this is in many ways like that. We get lots mm-hmm. of setup. I would hazard to say, and I'm sure there are plenty of features, the biggest one being money, but the next film that was planned, they wanted to call, or at least the working title, was something like Repo, The Beginning. And i'm telling you guys trying to pitch your movies to producers do not try and pitch a prequel as a sequel it just is very hard to sell uh i mean i i don't even have high expectations for how successful uh, lord of the rings the rings of power on amazon even though it's all the is going to be prequels are a hard pitch uh part of it is is because we think linearly so we're like, well, I already know what happens. I don't need to know this. Um, it's Rare the history buff who actually cares about the, the before stuff. So I don't know that that was a smart bet. Uh, and I think they would have been much more, they could have, they could have pitched it a little better. Uh, that's just my guess uh, because prequels are, as I said, tough sell. You better, you better work it. I mean, Kill Bill's having a sequel after Kill Bill, 2. It's not having a prequel, okay? So uh, back to the point of Repo. Don't remember what my point was. <laughs> the music. Let's talk about the music of this musical. It has stylistic jumps all over, uh, and that's intentional. As 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 many said, there's actually operatics in this. Paul Sorvino has very operatic uh, uh, range in this, and my my listeners know my wife's name is Corinne. Corinne always talks about. Rightfully so, the scene when when his kids are in the car with Roddy and Paul Sorvino singing that they must have just had ringing ears the whole time because even without Mike stuff, you know that's got to be so loud. Anybody who's been near someone with that kind of that kind of projection, it's just, it just rattles your brain. Um, and the the kids are played by Paris Hilton, who does have a little song or, or part of a song with the Grave Robber, uh, and then Bill Moisley and um, and ogre neither of them have songs on their own really they have some ensemble songs uh and so then the ones with the big songs is anthony stewart head who's a pretty good singer i mean very good kind of he got acclaim from the singing episode one more time with feeling i think it's called from buffy the vampire slayer that's actually where uh darren boysman found or saw him was like oh i want him and uh then we have as i said paul sorvino sarah brightman uh, of course, has singing and Shiloh, uh, Shiloh, the character of Shiloh, who's uh, Alexa Pena Vega, and they all do pretty well. Um, but they sort of, as I said, Paul Soravino's got these operatic moments, Gravedigger has these very like sultry, like you know, uh, Gravedigger like moments, and then Shiloh has like the Avril Lavigne mo- moment. <laughs> um, Which is basically her just like tossing her stuff around her room, being angry as an angry teen, and we have this weird this weird cameo from Joan Jett as a guitarist in the background, Mm -hmm. which I was always like, did she do this song? Like what? Because it is kind of a Joan Jett ish kind Mm -hmm. of song. It's not, and and as far as I can tell, no. But she is in a cameo, so it was fun to see her in that uh, in that little no speaking role moment. We have Anthony Stewart has the really like powerhouse like grinding like ah, like sort of hard rock moments um, and they're they're all they're not just a little bit that way. Each song is radically differently styled. What did you guys think about that? Because I know for me, I didn't dislike it, but sort of my my perfect rock musical is the film version of of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I mean, John Cameron Mitchell, for me, that was like, it blew me away. And that whole, his entire thing, it's a very almost Southern rock style um, musical tone to, to that whole show. Um, and yes, there's ballad. Yes, there's more, more poppy riffs, but it, it all fits together. Like it feels like it's one album from one performer because <laughs> it kind of is. Um, and so Repo takes a very different track and it also has a different wider cast you know it's not one person's narrative um so manny what did you what did you think of the choice to have these very different sort of set piece song moments?
1: well i i mean they they work for the most part um i you know it's interesting because the opera aspect to me was the not necessarily just the lyrical opera of, of people like sorvino or brightman who sing you know operatically but it's also the the connecting um, things between melodic moments, where it's just like spoken dialogue to some kind of music, um, yes. Which is that I think clinches the opera feel of it. Um, I can't say I mean I don't have anything memorable that sticks out too much, you know. But but again, in an opera, you don't you have arias every once in a while. So I don't even think it was necessarily meant to have like a hit single, even though mm-hmm. there are. I thought I thought the song with um, that that she sings to the, her dad. As he's, Mm -hmm. I think um, I I loved you so much, or something like that. That was actually a very pretty piece of music that could be taken out and stylized in many Mm -hmm. different ways that would be effective. And then I really like the uh, the, actually the number between Paris and the grave robber uh, in the street. Um, That was kind of reminiscent of like a chess or like One Night in Bangkok. It has those.
0: Yeah, that's my favorite one as well.
1: Yeah, I think in something like Hedwig, which I think has much more. Like each song is sort of taking a style, a bit of a style, like of certain music, it's a little Southern rock, a little jaunty. And they're all very, very, very melodic and very humbable. Um, This is different in that way, but they are trying different things. They are trying for ballads and crunchy rock songs and the Avril Lavigne moment, which I think is the weakest musically. It's just irritating.
0: It's, and it's the dinner scene in Rocky Horror. Like <laughs> most people skip over it yeah. or just have some other thing.
1: Yeah, um, that number that I'm um, 17 or whatever it was. The one with Joan yeah. Jett, actually that uh, yeah. is is uh, perhaps the weakest because it seems forced. It doesn't go with the flow. I don't think for me, but um, but again, I applaud them. I applaud them for this is that's an, a 90 minutes straight of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can make anything coherent or hummable at all or interesting to listen to, um, and and you're right, they cast people that are good at at, at it even. You know, Paris may not be a singer, but, you know, it's not like she can't carry a tune uh, and all these other folks as well. And then um, Sarah Brightman, to me, like you said, was not only vocally, but she's so comfortable on film. And it's her first. I mean, yeah. she's been filmed on different things, you know, so she's had some sure. experience. But um, I I was blown away by her. She was like the I also loved her styling
0: opinion. and costumes. Oh, most. yeah. The uh, eyes. Like you guys mentioned the eyes. Fantastic. It was just like an awesome um,
1: god, like a piece of art.
0: And they used her um, as a climax moment yeah. for the film. So they save her until the last you know, quarter of the movie when it's supposed to ramp up. And as Mandy said, mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a, it does have a conclusion of sorts to a part of the story. And so, yes, you can feel the movie coming mm-hmm. to an end and winding down. So in that way, it's successful. But it, it, it gives enough of a heightened moment that then you can come down at the end and be like, okay, the movie's going to end now. Yeah
1: one movie not the haven't talk- a story necessarily
0: yeah. exactly one thing we haven't talked about um that i always forget exist until i watch it again no matter how many times i've seen it is they have um sort of comic book frame uh, oh yeah transitions yeah um that are very they're not like comic books it's supposed to be a comic book mm-hmm. moment which was an interesting it's funny because there are some movies like i i recently i just watched you can clever detective listeners can figure out that when we uh, recorded this but yesterday uh tracks uh friends fiends of the pod Rift tracks did a Rift tracks live of um Jim Wynorski's the return of the swamp thing mm-hmm. in theaters and that of course was even more so than Wes Craven's first swamp thing movie was a a comic quote comic book movie it was intended to feel like a comic book there were page turn screen wipes between scenes all these things this was not advertised or in any way from a comic book and so it was an interesting choice to have comic book panel moments um it's wasn't that
2: somewhat popular at the time that this came out it it
0: was um it was i i think uh comics were having their resurgence that led to the marvel cinematic universe all these things at that moment as well in 2008 uh blade was still quite popular at that time that iteration which wasn't a marvel studios production so they could sort of it crossed genres from like action adventure family friendly into all other areas that's part of it the other part mandy and i recently we talked about um uh dave mackner's daisy and the dinosaur apocalypse oh yeah sounds... and and yeah which was a lot of fun and he uses uh a narrator interlude in the same way which is to sort of the cover it's to cover the transitions for things you just don't have or because you have such a big ensemble cast that you just can't you can't transition cleanly so instead here's this moment to show this plus we can use it for the backstory Mm -hmm. um killer pinata which uh, we talked about before also used this technique uh, for their flashbacks and it works it really does and in this i think repo actually for me used it a little more effectively because they're consistent with it they didn't do it once or twice. It's it's fairly consistent, even if it's brief, uh, between here yeah. and there.
2: And I also liked how it gave you like a more artistic rendering of the characters themselves, like a more like stylized, like like I don't know, is it like comic book art is so like basic? Like I don't want to in- insult anyone that does comic book art, but it is like line drawings, and it's it's like kind of like the distillation of mm-hmm. like the the image of a character uh and I thought that was kind of a cool add to it because I mean you're seeing these you know, in 3D they're a person in a costume in like real life and uh, full lighting and then you're just like oh but like the idea of them is represented in this comic book frame mm-hmm. and like it did kind of elevate the understanding for me of the characters mm-hmm. to see them in that very like basic form I don't know if that makes any sense that's kind of like what that like
1: what panels did for me yeah and it's like Um, clearly it's an economic and effective way to tell mm -hmm. like you mentioned a piece of the story that may have been difficult to film or more just even cost wise may have cost too much and taken too much time so doing it this way was effective and the drawings are beautiful beautifully done Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and they're very and they're very as you said mandy sort of a distillation it's a um it's a minimalist Form, right mm-hmm. they're not neil adams or bernie wrightson with this complex line work and yeah. shadow it's it's very much it's also very much in style with that mid-2000s comic book era when um for example buffy the vampire slayer comics are very much the same kind of yeah. bold colors some gradients and lots of uh, high contrast shadow to light parts not a mm. hot, lot of complicated line work and um, you,
2: what I what I remember in theaters like at, in this time frame, and I forget which one it like specifically was, but the Hulk. I remember, and I forget if it was like the, the Hulk. Incredible Hulk or the Hulk. It was, Angley's,
0: Hulk. It was they, Angley's the Hulk.
2: They did yeah. like a ton of comic book stuff, and I like hated it so much, that. like the way that they did it. Like I remember and having I a very, loved, sh- I had a really very strong reaction movie. <laughs> to see it <laughs> in theaters. Movie. I was like, I don't like this. I hate this so much. But you know, then they, you know, over time. Like it's grown on me, but I think like the way they did it in that film was like really unsettling.
0: It's a very strong departure in that particular film. This is one I keep telling (laughs) because Tad Tad also has conflicted feelings. This is a very strong one. If you want me to be the
2: if yeah I was gonna say if you wanted me to be the hater on the film uh, on (laughs) one of these episodes, we should we will do the whole at some point.
0: (laughs) part of the climax. It's pretty bold when part of your climactic big budget fight is still frames projected on clouds like do you give it to you know it's like i i just love i just i just to throw this one thing out there because i'm such a lover of this and angley to give the guy that would go on to do Brokeback mountain and did the joy luck club to give him the Hulk, uh was a just it was it was sort of like i don't know if you'd given um was Craven a movie Lord of the about
1: Ring- a music teacher?
0: <laughs> I, that's that's yes, that's. But I was like going to say if you if you gave Andy Warhol Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, like it's going to be a yeah. different moment. Uh, yeah, but yours happened. Oh um, man, I want to see that now. Uh, well, it's twenty three hours and it has no air <laughs> Um So so we're gonna. I want to wrap this up because I think we've covered yeah, a no, lot. Sorry. I'll start with going. the recommendations for this. I do recommend Repo if you like. First off, if you are a 2000s child and and like the sort of flashy, as I said, uh, x number of Texas Chainsaw Asker saw sequels films, you like the heavily produced lighting and 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 gore that's beyond realistic, uh, into into fantasy land amounts of sticky um, Cairo syrup and whatnot, then definitely check out Repo. I think the music is what carries it for me. I'm never bored in this movie, as Manny said, because it even if the narrative itself is not fulfilling um, the characters are well cast. The music is interesting enough. Uh, I love the grave robber um, injection scene with Paris Hilton. That, that whole song is just a perfect it's yeah, it's to me, what I think of when I think of this movie, it's always that. And uh, I have fun with it. Plus again, the cast, which you don't even realize happened. I mean, uh, Bill Mosley does not, look like what we think of him mm-hmm. as um he does, he's not otis in this so it's nice to see uh, anthony Stewarthead is not the like um friendly snarky british librarian in this you know it's nice to see these people in different roles that you didn't even realize it was them necessarily when you first look at it uh so i give my recommendation with the even narrative the fact that the story is unlikely to ever be concluded truly uh, all those things i'm gonna get one before i pass it over to my uh my fellow panelists here. I will give one note that um, the director and uh, the Terrence um, Dunnich who played Grave Robber did make uh, another couple of movies together. Um, they're the, the Devil's Carnival series and they are musicals. And rather than sort of this like trash punk dystopian future they're um like a carnival in hell uh a carnival of the damn vibe um sean patrick flannery is in the first one but they did several of them and i think that was where they refocused their well let's try and do a series here instead so maybe we'll we'll look on that one day in, in on the pod but if you're interested and you are or you already love repo and you want more check out the devil's carnival series manny would you recommend repo the genetic opera if so why
1: yeah, I, I think I would. But here's the, here's the caveat, I think, mostly. Because um, both these types of film, the type of film that this is, a, a musical and a sort of a very stylized goth horror sci-fi movie, those are very divisive in general. There's people that hate musicals. There's people that hate these other ones. So if you hate one or the others, don't. Because if you're a goth kid and, and really loving this kind of style, but you hate musicals, you might not enjoy it. And vice versa, but I would. I think it, it's so unique and it's so different that at least I, I don't think it's fully successful. Um, I'm not sure that I'd watch it again necessarily unless I had a reason to. But um, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did finally see it I, I, again. I'm, I'm props again for it being able to pull a freaking musical opera <laughs> out like this. Just that and a, 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 you know uh, attempting that and succeeding to that degree is great. I think it's definitely worth a look. Definitely worth a look. Um, there's definitely as much as there th- that I've, of things that I wasn't thrilled about. There's just as much that is is worthy. So yes, I
0: would I would recommend it
1: on those fair those fair enough. Mm-hmm.
0: Mandy, would you recommend Repo the Genetic Opera from 2008? And if so, why and to
2: who? Oh, I would definitely recommend it to the other weirdos out there. <laughs> I guess like me because when I think of it, I'm like who would like this film like it is so bizarre and so like kind of all over the place as far as like Manny said like all of the different genres that are represented here that are often disliked by large groups of people and yet they've mashed them together so like who's left to like this film well i don't know at least (laughs) at least the three of us so probably you too (laughs) like they managed like Like stinky plus stinky equals not stinky, as we learned from the two angry beavers. So, you know, take that wisdom (laughs) for what it is uh, and check out this film.
1: Yeah. I I think it's also just like you mentioned, you're mentioning, I think just the audacity of somebody saying, I'm going to make this horror sci fi thing and I'm making it a musical, but not just a musical, an opera on top of it. (laughs) You know, I I think just that, that that is admirable. I, you know, again, maybe not 100% successful, but. It's been like admirable. we have we've,
2: we've kind of talked a little bit about how they didn't have much of a budget and they did a bunch of tricks to make it look like they had more sets or more budget or whatever. But like what they did, like it has a bit of a theatrical like stage look to it. Like yeah. I'm thinking like the graveyard scenes and stuff. It is not like underproduced. Like it looks no. good. Very it good looks point. exactly like what it's supposed to look like. So don't be like, oh, it's gonna look cheap or it's gonna look no. more like no. a lot of the, the independent. Uh, low budget films that we review on this and love them for reasons other than their production value like this has really good production value and you know it is I think meant intentionally to look like a stage production yes. and it does it literally ends on a stage it's on yeah. a stage yeah. um but like i mean the street scenes look very theatrical like a stage set like in a the theater like the um the graveyard scenes look that way as well um, but it's it's good, like yeah. the way that they did it. It, but, it does it does look very like high like high production value and on purpose. And that's not a great just, point. That's a great not point. Not just cheap mm-hmm. like this is what we could do. So we put up some like cardboard mm-hmm. gravestones, but we're still trying to pretend it's a real graveyard. Like no, like it feels mm-hmm. like an opera on a stage. Yes. So. Yeah.
1: Totally agree. And, that's uh, a great point. It's kind of like Little Shop of Horrors, the '86 film. Yeah. Um, yeah, so That's all filmed inside a soundstage on purpose, like you mentioned. It's that style. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a great point you make, Mandy. I want to, before we, before we head out here and I give you the rigmarole that we always end on, which is important, so listen to it. Um, I also want to say that uh, Rebuild the Genetic Opera actually did start as a stage show. I believe it was only performed uh, probably like once. <laughs> I think it was just a one-time thing, um, although other people have since performed it. But the original cast, you can find Uh, essentially bootleg copies of at least sections of it. Um, It is very bare bones, but it's fun to see it on stage. And I actually would love to see some sort of, I mean, especially with the success of things like uh, um, uh, Army of Darkness, uh, or rather Evil Dead, the musical, things like that. I would like to see a fully realized and maybe tweaked stage production of this could actually be quite fun. Um, Of course, nobody on Broadway is throwing money at this at the moment. Uh, I think, I think they have a lot to deal with on their own. Uh, trying to stay aloft in these pandemic times, but interesting. And you can check that out online. Uh, it's, it's there and it's worth, especially if you're a longtime fan and you didn't know that, check it out because it's another level to the project. So, this is to wrap us up. I am going to tell you right now next week's part two episode of this. Uh, the more cultish episode is Cannibal the Musical from 1993. Some people will tell you it's 1996. I'll tell you why it's not. Mm-hmm. It is the production um, starring, written by uh, Trey Parker, uh, and uncredited, written by uh, Matt Stone as well, who uh, you may recognize as the creators and showrunners for South Park. Uh, this is their one of their very early projects uh, when Trey Parker was in college he made this film and there's a lot to talk about. It's a lot of fun and I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks on it next week on Cult and classic podcast to play us out as always is the chud with their song all about evil and please rate us all the stars, all the ratings, whatever you want, wherever you find us, it helps people find us, leave a review, write us at Colton classic podcast at gmail.com go on our website, Colton sign up for our future newsletter. And so you can stay in the loop because we have big things in the pipe and I cannot, cannot, cannot wait to share them with you.